And now, a message from Pastor Josh Carmody. All right, so how's everybody doing this morning? Good, I'm Josh. I'm uh, one of the... Pa- this is loud, sorry. I might yell, not meaning to. Give it up for our sound booth folks back there. Love those guys. I'm Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at New Covenant, and it is good to see you all here uh, today. I don't have a lot of intro this morning other than we've been going through the book of Galatians, and it's called Live Free. Everybody say, Live Free. And uh, I just want to dive uh, right in this morning. Actually, I do want to say something uh, first real quick before I do that. Um, Back when I was youth pastor here, uh, Christian and Josie over here, they never used to be married, but now they are, and they have a beautiful little family, and they're awesome. I just want to say hi. Love you guys. Thanks for being here. Um, Yeah, give it up for them. All right, so let's hop in this morning to Galatians chapter 6. Verses 7 through 10, it'll be on your screen. Uh, You can throw it in, uh, if you have a Bible, you can open to it. But here we go. Out of the Message Bible, it says this, Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves, let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop. Everybody say good crop. Good crop if we don't give up or quit. And right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. So um, this morning, my uh, sermons very rarely work out this way, but if there's one thing that I remember that they taught me in Bible college was this, you read your scripture, you give them three points, and you say a prayer. (laughs) So today... I've got, it never normally happens. No, normally it's one point or like 85, but I got three. All right. Just three points. You guys want to hear them real quick before we dive in? Wow. Okay. Does it, did the rest of you, would you like to hear them before we dive in? All right. Come on, everybody. So here we go. I know it's raining outside, but it is nice in here. Here we go. Here's my, here's my three points. Uh, the first one is the principle of planting and harvesting. All right, the principle of planting and harvesting. Your Bible might use words like sowing and reaping, or maybe you've heard of something called the law of reciprocity. But today we're going to talk about planting. Everybody say planting Planting. and harvesting. The second one is the power of perseverance. The power of perseverance. Now I'm getting these right out of this text, and we're going to talk about them here in a moment. And the third one is the privilege of providing. The privilege of providing. So if you picked up on that, there are so many P's. What happened was I started with the first one, the principle of planting and harvesting, and then somehow I came up with the power of perseverance. And then by the time the third one came around, I got to stick with the P and P, so we went with privilege of providing. (laughs) All right? So not only are there three points today, they all have P's in them. All right? It's great. So let's talk about this first one, the principle of planting and harvesting. What a person plants... He or she will harvest. All right, so we're all in Iowa right now. Maybe you don't live here. Maybe you're not from here. But right now, at this time, just so you know, you are in Iowa. So you're driving along, minding your own business, and you see these fields after fields after fields of what? Soybeans and what? Corn. Now, let me ask you guys this question. I'm pretty sure you're going to ace it, but you drive by a soybean field. 
And you see the little soybean plants, and they're dying. Oh, they're turning brown. But what was planted in the ground all those many months ago to get the soybean plants to grow? Okay, so three people knew. This is not a trick question. You take a soybean seed, put it in the ground, bury that bad boy, water it, sun, fertilize, and what do you get? Soybeans. You get more. You get the plant, right? And then on that plant are more soybeans. That's how that works. So you plant, and then you harvest. So out there in the garden, we have a garden out back. I don't know if you know that or not. We have some people that like to tend to the garden out back. And they planted all kinds of things out there this last spring. It was a little late. You guys remember how this year's been going? It was like end of May or into June. Like it was a late planting time. But out front, you'll see that there's some of their harvest out there. And if they're still there, there's these little red. Nobody took me up on this in first service. I'm hoping second service has, uh, has someone in here wants to do it. Ooh, Russ has one. All right, so there's little red peppers out there. And those are habanero peppers. Now, if you have the urge before you let, you can take them home and chop them. I don't really know what you do with habanero peppers. I don't know. That's a little too spicy for me. Um, but if anybody, you're like, oh, that's my jam. I'm going to do that. And you want to take a bite of that before you leave today, let me know. I'd like to watch you. Yeah. All right? Um, I think it'd be fun uh, to check it. So they, that's, they've harvested, right? There's some jalapenos out there, and there's some uh, habanero peppers out there, and there's some tomatoes. And so they're harvesting those things after they plant them. And so... I think we have a pretty good idea of this, of what it means to plant and what it means to harvest, don't we? Okay. I think we have a pretty good idea of what it means to plant and what it means to harvest, don't we? Trying to help us out today. It's raining outside. Have you noticed? The sun's not out. You haven't got your vitamin D today. So I'm here to provide you with the Holy Spirit and God's word. All right. So here's what we're going to do. You and I, What do you and I do? We plant things in our lives as well. And then those things that we plant in our lives reap a harvest. So the Bible says, we just read it in Galatians 6, it says those who plant selfishness, ignoring the need of God, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring everybody else and only taking care of themselves, all that they will have to show for planting selfishness is weeds. Well, that's neat. That just gets us super pumped up, doesn't it? Have you noticed that weeds can grow just about anywhere? And that you don't actually have to plant weed seeds? Anybody ever gone and bought, well, (laughs) seeds for planting? Well, this just took a hard left turn. All right. Uh, Well, moving on. So... Have you noticed that weeds grow all over the place? I was looking at my house the other day, and they're growing out of my gutters. Now, I did not plant those. Not only that, in between my shingles, there was stuff growing. I, got, I, need, a new shing- I need a new roof, but there's stuff growing in between. Like, how does that happen? I didn't even plant anything up there, and yet weeds are growing. Have you noticed that in your life, um, you'll just be going about your day, and all of a sudden you say something that you were like, it was just really mean. It was really off. It was really maybe offensive. It was not the greatest thing or something that you're just like, man, I haven't, have you guys ever done that where you say something and you're like, man, where did that come from? It's those little weeds 
that pop up. And, and you don't even remember maybe when you planted those seeds. You don't even remember when all that happened. But those things just have a way of popping up in our lives, just like weeds have a way of popping up all over the place. And you don't have to plant them. They just show up. They can grow in rocks. They can grow anywhere. They're always abounding, right? And that's the same thing. If we plant selfishness, we receive weeds. If we just do what we want to do and plant for our own desires, then we reap a crop of weeds. Yuck. But God says instead we should plant selflessness. We should plant in response to God. And if we do that, we harvest a crop of real and eternal life. How many of you would like to, to have a harvest of real and eternal life instead of weeds? I think we all would, right? I mean, that's what, so what do we have to do? We have to plant so that it pleases God. Well, what are some things that pleases God? Well, I think you've done a great thing. You've come to church this morning. The Bible talks about assembling together. You have come together and assembled together to worship God, to learn more about him, to fellowship with one another. I think that pleases God. I think that's a good seed that you sown into your life today. I think that's a good seed that was planted into your life today. What are some other things that, that would be good? Because here's the thing. If we plant into coming to church and being a part of what God is doing here. Not only do we grow, that's one harvest that we get to grow more. Our lives are transformed, right? We get to listen to worship music and our hearts connect to God and our lives are transformed, but we connect with one another. And when we meet other people, we get different perspectives about life. We find people that can support us and love on us and have a shoulder for us to cry on if we need it, right? And so we harvest relationships. Like that's a good thing. So did you know you were doing, you were planting all those seeds just showing up today? That you're planting all those seeds in your life just by showing up today and that's going to reap a harvest and that you're going to have more relationships. You're going to grow closer to God. He's going to transform you from the inside out. Really? Just because I showed up to a building? You didn't show up to a building. You came to gather the ecclesia, the church. We come to gather together to glorify God. Amen. We plant those seeds in us. What about reading your Bible or, or worshiping God at home or praying to him? These are all things that we can plant. We can be kind to our neighbors. We can be good bosses at work. We can be good employees at work. We can be good supervisors at work. And all of those things are seeds that are planted that will be a good harvest in our life. And so there's this principle of planting and harvesting. If you plant generosity you receive more than you thought was possible. If you plant unforgiveness, you receive more bitterness than you ever thought was possible. If you plant unforgiveness and say, I will never, ever, ever forgive that person for what they did to me, even though Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has forgiven you for all the bad things you've done. But if you say, I will never forgive so-and-so because of so-and-so and what, what, what are we going to reap? What are we going to harvest? Nothing but bitterness. There is a law here of planting and harvesting. And it's the same with our finances. Look at 2 Corinthians 9. We already took the offering, so don't worry. I'm not going to take another one. But look at this, 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this. The person who plants a little will have a what kind of harvest? Small harvest. But the person who plants a lot will have a big harvest. Each of you should give as you have decided in your heart to give. You should not be sad when you give, and you should not give because you feel forced to give. God loves the person who gives happily, who gives cheerfully. And God, look at this, God can give you more blessings than you need. Then you will always have plenty of everything, enough to give to every good work. 
Amen. So this scripture tells us that if we plant a little, if you plant an acre of corn, how many acres of corn will you harvest back? One acre. Now, if there's 10 acres of land and you plant two acres worth of 10, are you going to get 10 acres worth back? Why not? Because you only planted two. So if you plant a little, you get a little back. If you plant a lot, you get a lot back. And this scripture is so awesome. Verse 8. It says, and God can give you more blessings than you need. I'm going to read it again. God can give you more blessings than you need. He can give you more of everything than what you need. Like above and beyond what you need, he can give it to you. That's good news. Because why is it good news? Then you will always have plenty of everything, enough to give to every good work. So here we plant and then we receive and we receive a bumper crop and we receive more and everything that we need is provided for so much so that we have so much left over that we can give it away. Now, does that not excite us? I mean, is that not exciting? Like that this works, planting and harvesting. That we can plant, we can, we can plant not only just finances, but into people's lives, relationships. And then when we're in need of somebody to be there for us, God will provide that relationship. It's not, it's not just about finances. It's not about one thing. God has the opportunity to bless us in every area of our lives more than we need so that we can give back, so that we can give to someone else. That is good news. Because they planted one one bean seed, green bean seed. And those green bean plants just run up the vine and you get like a hundred little pea pods, little green beans. Sorry, not peas, beans. Whatever I said we planted, that's what you get. And so you always get back more than what you put into it. And God is faithful and he loves us and he gives us so much. I'm supposed to be like, oh great, now I get all of this. We get so much so that we can give back and continue to give. Amen? Hosea 10 says, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Here's the thing. If we plant good things in our life, good things will come out of our life. If we plant good things in our life, good things will come out of our life. Mercy for others, compassion, and love will flow out of us. If we put good things in, if we plant good things in good soil, then good things will come out. And our lives will be an example for others to see. Our lives will produce fruit that others can grab a hold of and be encouraged. Mercy, compassion, and love. You know, the scripture says that you need to break up our follow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord. And that word fallow, it means packed or untilled soil. When we planted that garden out there, there was just grass, grass and weeds. I said, weeds are everywhere, right? There's just grass and weeds. Now, had we just went out there and like took our little spade and dug a little hole and stuck a seed of something and then put that grass and dirt right back over it, how many of you think that was going to have a really good chance of growing and doing something? None. 
Why not? Because that was fallow ground. It was hard soil. It was untilled. You know how much work it was to till up that virgin soil? It was a lot of work. We had a big old machine, and we're out there, and right? And we're tilling that up. And then we do the whole thing once, and we're doing some stuff, and it's like we're digging it, and there's still more to do. So, okay, pass number two. You know, we're going to do I mean, we did it three or four times. They go to plant, and they're like, yeah, this isn't quite deep enough still. It's like, you know what? It's done. <laughs> You're going to plant, right? Because <laughs> we've been out in the sun for hours and hours, and it's good enough right? And they grew stuff, so it was good enough. But um, even year after year, you say, okay, so we did all that last year. What about this year? We can just, it's all dirt. There's not many weeds in it. There's no grass in it. I can just throw some seeds on the ground, right? You have to break it up again for the next season, right? And I think the same thing is true in our lives is that sometimes maybe you don't know who Christ is. And today your heart is like that virgin ground. Virgin ground. You are packed hard. You have no idea. You got all kinds of weeds and all kinds of things growing. And you're hearing the Bible today and you're hearing God's word and you're like, man, I'm loving this. And it's got, but it's just kind of fallen on hard soil. And we already talked about it. if you just throw some stuff on there or dig something up and throw it, it's not going to grow. Your life has to be tilled up. Our, our hard ground has to be broken up. And how do we do that? It says, break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord. And that's what we have to do. We have to seek the Lord. Maybe you've been saved a long time and you've known Jesus for a long time, but you're maybe in a different season of life and you've allowed your ground to become hard. And so seeds are not able to be deposited into your life. And you've been noticing that fruit is not abounding in your life anymore. Maybe it's time to seek the Lord and let him break up that hard ground. It can happen to all of us. It happens to me. As a pastor standing before you, you're like, well, surely not you, Josh. Yes, absolutely me. There's times where I have to tell myself, I will study God's word today, not for the message this weekend and not for any other, but for me so that I can spend time and be obedient to what hide God's word in my heart so that I will not sin against him. Study this book of law, meditate on it. Then you will be prosperous in all that you do. You'll be successful in everything that you, you do, right? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's why we study God's word. We shouldn't just do it for a sermon. So for me, I could easily get by and say, well, I study the Bible all the time. So I can stand up here and say, look, this is what we're talking about today. But if I don't spend time in devotion, then what I say up here doesn't matter. If I'm not praying to God, if I'm not breaking up that ground, if I'm not letting seeds being deposited in my life so that fruit can grow, then there's nothing for you to grab hold of. There's nothing for my neighbors to grab hold of. I'm just me and my hard ground instead of so many things like habanero peppers. I'd like to spice up your life. <laughs> As Christians, that's what we should do. Instead, we drag people down. It's like, oh, life sucks. No, it doesn't. Life is good. God has given us one life. And you are the only you that this world ever gets. So we should spice up life a little bit. Amen. Seek the Lord. He'll prepare your life so that seed can be planted. So here's my first question, and then I've got to get rolling. What am I planting? Write that down. Think about it this week. What am I planting? Because what you plant, you will harvest in another season. What am I planting? So that's the first one, the principle of planting and harvesting. The second one, the power of perseverance. The scripture tells us to not get tired or giving, give up. Do good, keep doing good, and you will harvest a good crop. Everybody say good crop. Good crop. 
We will harvest a good crop in the next season if we do not quit planting. We will harvest a good crop in the next season if we do not quit planting. So he says, don't grow weary while doing good. Don't grow weary while planting these things in your life and studying God's word. It's like, but I just don't feel God right now. That's okay. It's more than a feeling. Spirit, lead me. It's not a feeling. It's not tingly. It's an everyday choice to love God no matter how you feel, no matter what you're going through. You say, today I'm going to love God. I might not feel like it, but I'm going to love him. That's how love works. I mean, when you get married, you're like, oh, it's just like bliss. And I just love my spouse all the time. It's so easy. It's a choice. Yeah, sometimes it's easy, but isn't love a choice? It's the same thing. We can be going through some things. We say, you know what? It'd be just a lot easier if I quit. I mean, think of farmers. If you, you know some farmers, there's some farmers in here today. And if there's one thing I know about farmers is as they're farming, a lot of their stuff, equipment breaks down. Yep, I got a yep. <laughs> right? I mean, that's what happens. You're farming and you've got hundreds of acres or whatever, but let's pretend you're farming these 10 acres. You get halfway done, something breaks and you're just like, you know what? I quit. I'm done. I've dumped, you know, X amount of dollars into that machine. I'm over it. Whatever. Those five grand, they can just, those five acres, they can just sit there. Forget the nitrogen I put in it. Forget all this. I'm just going to leave it alone. I'm done. Quit. Now, are they going to regret that come harvest? If they just stopped and quit? Yeah, because there's not going to be anything to pull out of that ground. So if they quit when it gets tough, we wouldn't have farmers. And if you and I quit when it, when it gets tough, we wouldn't have Christians. There'd be nothing for us to harvest. We keep on going when things are tough. John 16, in this world you will have. Not might have, not almost, not if you don't, if you're messing up. No, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Who has? Jesus has. We're guaranteed trouble. We're guaranteed problems. But if we don't give up, we will reap a harvest. You know, a few months ago, I don't think I told you guys this as a congregation, but a few months ago, I was sitting down to play a board game with my family, and our upstairs bathroom, cast iron pipe started leaking into our downstairs bathroom. And so we had poo water flowing down our walls and onto the floor and everywhere. It was wonderful. (laughs) And so... We had to completely demo everything out of our house. We didn't have any bathrooms. We stayed at my folks' house. We stayed, we went camping. We had no bathrooms, okay? We had a kind of a, a toilet rigged up. We had wash our hands in the kitchen sink and you shower in the basement. That was it, okay? And so I began this task of putting together my upstairs bathroom so that I could have a full functioning bathroom because how many of you appreciate full functioning bathrooms? You know how long it took me to put this bathroom back together? 12 weeks. It took me 12 weeks of planting and planting and planting. Figuring out how to fur out walls, figuring out how to level out floors, figuring out how to put in bathtubs, figuring out how to tile everything, putting in the sheetrock, making the core, doing all of this stuff. And I get to the point, I'm probably seven or eight weeks in. It already has cost more money than I thought. It's taken me way longer than I thought at eight weeks. I'm sitting on my bathtub, it's in. Staring at a wall. I'm a little hunched over. My eyes are glossy. I'm just staring at a wall. This wall that I'm working on is only five feet wide. It's only about six or seven feet tall. You want to know how long it took me to tile that wall with this tricky little shower niche right in the middle of it? 
35 square feet, one wall, over 12 hours of my life. I was sitting there on the tub four hours in and it only been up about this much and I got to this shower niche thing and I'm like, and this thought just kept going through my mind. Quit, quit, just quit, quit, leave, just quit. Hire somebody to do it, quit. You're not good at it, quit. You know what you're doing, quit. That was four hours of work, quit. <laughs> it's not worth it, quit like pounding in my head. And I was just like, <sighs> I just had nothing, no words. So what did I do? Persevered. And the rest was super easy, not even close. The next two hours, I moved up the wall that much. Listen, I cut one tile, I counted 14 times. It was supposed to be this like intricate cut. I messed it up 14 times. Who are you going to hire for your next tile job? Not this guy, right? 14 times. I got that piece cut finally. Guys, it took me an hour and 45 minutes. Of my life. I could point out that tile. So I finished that row, put everything away, went to bed. Next day, I finished the wall. Got her done. So now, you don't have to clap. So, so here's where the, the truly cool part is. That's me planting for months. Ugh. Months. Wanting to quit, persevering. And then I, as soon as I could... I used that bathtub, and I used that shower. And I'm not a big bath guy, but I just soaked in that bathtub, and I said, what's up, bathtub? <laughs> and I looked at that wall, and I said, what? Right? Got you, got you, I'm in my bathtub. The other day, yesterday, my daughter, she fell and hurt herself a few weeks ago, and it hurt her arm, and she hasn't showered, but Alicia, my wife, has been helping her, you know, do her hair, and, you know, because you got to lift up your arm and all that, and so anyway, yesterday, we're like, hey, you're, you're well enough, you can take your own shower, you can use the new bathroom, like, you can use the new shower, she goes, I don't know, I should probably still shower in the basement, it's like, no, trust me, you're going to want to shower in the new bathroom, you're fine, you're doing good, so anyway, she went in there, she comes back out, she's all ready, I go, so, how was the bathroom, and she was like, that bathroom is so nice, She's like, it's way better than the basement bathroom. <laughs> and I was like, good. <laughs> I'm so glad that you understand at 10 years old all the hard work and frustration that I put into that bathroom <laughs> so that you could say it's better than the mold-infested, spider-infested shower in the basement. Yes, it is much better. <sighs> and she enjoyed it. And she was like, oh, that is way nice. And I was like, yes, it is. But we wouldn't have had that story had I quit. Still would have been covered in concrete board and a mess and it just would have sat there and I said, I give up. You can take a bath in it, good enough. Just don't splash any water. <laughs> so we reap a harvest if we do not quit. Same thing in my life, in ministry. Just That's something that I'm giving you as an example, but even in my life in ministry, it'd be a lot easier just to quit sometimes. Say, oh, grass is greener on the other side, 
or in that other city or that other church or that other place or that other whatever. Maybe I should quit. Maybe I should give up. Maybe you've thought that. Maybe you've seen that in your life. It's like, ah, it's just too difficult. Like, I should just quit while I'm behind. I'm just done. Like, I can't, I just, I don't want to go anymore. That word persevere means to continue unswervingly, to adhere firmly, and to hold fast. It is a patient endurance. It doesn't mean you'll be without struggles. It doesn't mean it's going to be an easy road, but it's a patient endurance. Uh, Hebrews 10 says this, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Continue to do God's will. I like this. Patiently endure. Keep on planting, and what will happen? You will receive all that God has promised. If you don't quit, if you don't give up, there's a good crop coming. You put a few things in the ground, but a whole lot more is coming back to you. Don't quit. I know it's tough. I know it's frustrating. I know you're not where you thought you should be or would be, but God's got you and he has something planned for you in the next season of your life if you do not quit. Acts 14 says this, after preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And so I hope today that you leave this place here in a few moments strengthened. And know this, you and I, we must suffer hardship. But it's worth it. We must suffer hardship, but it's worth it. If you want to get that harvest back out, we must keep going. We can not quit. So I have a question for you. Will I ask yourself this? Will I persevere in hard times? Will I persevere in hard times? Or am I just going to say, you know what? I'm done. Ask yourself that. Will I persevere in hard times? And the last one, quickly, the privilege of provision. So we're talking about planting and harvesting. We're talking about receiving more than we could possibly have to do like, of what we need. So we have to give it away. We have so much. And then Paul says this, let's help others out. And here's what he says, every time we have a chance. Because we've been given so much, let's help others out every time we have a chance. And why would we do this? Because that's what Jesus did. Look at Mark 10. It says, whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. This is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served. And then to give his life away in exchange for many who are held hostage. Listen, it's our privilege to be like Jesus. That's what he's doing. You're sitting here today, I don't know if you know this, but you're being transformed more and more into the likeness and the image of Jesus Christ. We are created in the image of God, but our hearts, our lives, we want to be transformed so that we can be his example, his representation on this earth. What did Jesus Christ come to this earth to do? He came to serve you and I. Fully God, fully man, he came as a servant. You and I, we should serve others unconditionally. Every time we have the opportunity, when there's an opportunity that presents itself and we have the time, the money, the resources, the whatever it is, whatever resources it is, and something comes up, we should help. We should help. Now, is that always the easiest thing to do? No. 
My wife and I, she's not in here this morning. She's in Covenant Kids with the little kids. My wife and I, we're foster parents. We get phone calls like, hey, would you want to take so-and-so and so-and-so and and take them as foster kids right now? And, and there's been times where we've had to say no. Uh, you know, when we didn't have a bathroom, DHS kind of frowns on us taking kids in without a bathroom. I'm not sure why. Um, so during that time, it was like, no, we're working on a bathroom. We can't have kids in. Um, but there's those times we get those call and really we look at each other and it's like, all right, well, here's all the information. Here's the ages. Here's what's going on. And we look at each other and we say, all right, is this something we want to do? Are we ready for this? And we look at each other and we know that God has called us to do this, to help some people who otherwise are not going to have a safe home to be in for time being until they can get back with their mom and their dad. We know God's called us to do that. And we know that's something that we enjoy doing, but we look at each other and say, all right, are we ready to do this? And it's kind of like, yes, but it's going to be super inconvenient. Like, yeah, we want to help, but we got this coming up and this coming up and this coming up and this coming up and they're like this old and that's going to be difficult. You remember when we had kids that age? Yeah, that was difficult. Are they going to sleep through that? Are we going to get good sleep? Are we not going to get good sleep? Are they going to have bad attitudes? Are they going to break our stuff? Is this going to happen? And all these things go through our mind, but then we look at each other and we say, yeah, but put all that aside. Are we going to help this person or not? And every single time it's been... See you in a half hour. And they come by. Does it inconvenience our lives? Yeah, yeah. Do we adjust to a new normal? Absolutely. Jesus Christ came as God and served us as creation. Every chance that we have, if it's in our power to do something about it, we should help. Micah 6, 6, 6 through 8 says this, How can I stand up before God and show proper respect to the high God? Should I bring an armload of offerings topped off with yearling calves? Would God be impressed with thousands of rams, with buckets and burials of olive oil? Would he be moved if I sacrificed my firstborn child, my precious baby, to cancel my sin? But he's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Here's what he wants us to do. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love and don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Look at what it says in James 1. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. What's this scripture saying? It's saying true religion, pure undefiled religion before God is taking care of the marginalized. The orphans, the widows, the homeless, the poor, the destitutes, those who are at the end of their rope and need somebody to reach out and love them with not just an I'll pray for you, but the real tangible love of Jesus Christ, a hand to touch, a shoulder to cry on, somebody that will put their skin in the game and say, I love you with a love that can only come from Jesus Christ. Let me help you. And then don't allow your life to be corrupted by this world. He said, that's all. That's pure religion. Show love to the marginalized and don't let this world corrupt you. Don't let this world turn your good soil into hardened ground. Don't let this world turn your good soil into hardened ground. We're doing an oil change next month. We'll do giving tree in December to help out single moms and widows. The giving tree is for people who can't afford to buy Christmas for their, uh, let me re-say that, who can't buy gifts for their kids at Christmas. 
The kids would have nothing to open on Christmas morning if you, out of your generous and loving heart and having the ability and the resources to do something, you go and buy presents for them so that on Christmas morning they can open something up. That's why we do those things. We do them not so people say, look at how great New Covenant Christian Church is. They are so, like, they're just all about justice and they go and they do all this stuff and they're so missional and they're so this and they throw on all these words. They're so great. It's not why we do it. We do it because we want to obey the word of God. Pure and undefiled religion is this, caring for the marginalized and refusing to let this world corrupt you. That's why we do it. So here's a question you can ask yourself. Will I make a commitment to help others every chance I get? For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515 955-6222.